We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is September 25th, 2023. Jonathan Osborne here, as always. Joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what's going on, bro? Not much, man. I had a uh, was an eventful weekend full of my daughter's birthday, and she was sick, and then now Cole has a cough. It's a whole thing. And then we had some good college football yesterday. NFL today was very interesting, to say the least. Really wanting to talk to you about the Dolphins beating the Broncos. With six was set how sixty points was that correct? Seventy the final seventy. Sorry, yes, seventy. Too shy of the record, Jonathan. Now you put something on Twitter, and so I did want to ask you about it. You said something to the effect of, "If the Magic are ever in a situation to break a record in general, and they simply dribble out the clock, such as the Dolphins kneeling the ball on fourth and one, very much in field goal territory, that you would be very mad." So I wanted to bring that up because I think it is very interesting to think about that if you're if the Magic were ever in a chance. I think the I don't know, I doubt that much is realistic in a game like this, but to be fair, in the NFL scoring 72 plus points is not realistic. So if the Magic are in a position, here's my thought as well. If in that situation I get like sportsmanship, whatever. You are beating these dudes by 50. Sportsmanship's gone out the window a long time ago. You could have stopped scoring points. And then all of a sudden, you're just going to stop right before the record. At that point, it is not personal. It is simply, we're trying to break a record here. Kick the field goal. You've come this far. You're never, ever scoring 70 again. In this season, especially. It's just such a crazy lightning in the bottle moment. That that was super frustrating to me. And the fact that they were at home, you know, like in front of your home crowd, you have a chance. And and like the field goal would have been, you know, probably, you know, 
45, you know, 50 plus maybe. I forget exactly where they were. It would have been a long field goal and it by no means would have been like a guarantee. I mean, the way that they were scoring today maybe would have seemed like a guarantee, but you know, they could have missed it. But yeah, kneeling the ball when the entire stadium is chanting three more points, three more points. I don't know if you mentioned this, Luke, but this ended up being the second most points scored ever in an NFL game and the most in like 60 something years or 70 years almost. I don't, I don't even, it was like in the sixties, it was against the giants as a, as a matter of fact is, you know, this week you know, can't get any worse, but <laughs> yeah, like if I'm the fan of any team, you know, the, the, the magic, the giants, whoever, and you're there and you've got a chance to, to break history. Look, if you don't like it, stop it. At, at 70 points, like you said, when they're up 20, they're up 30, they're up 40. Like at any point, you could have just started kneeling and punting the ball anytime that you wanted to do that to stop running the score up. But they didn't do that. They kept pouring it on, kept pouring it on, kept pouring it on. And yeah, like it was a 44 yarder, by the way. Very manageable. There you go. Field goal Very too. manageable. Like, 44. That's that's a that's a that's almost a chip shot in the NFL these days. Like these kickers are so ridiculously good. Just make it and go home. Set the record. Something that hasn't been done since like the 60s. I think 1966. I can't remember. Maybe you said it, but yeah, I can't remember what it was. But yeah, this record's been around forever. This is not happening again anytime soon. It's just crazy to me. And again, in front of your home fans, like you would have given them a memory that they would remember for the rest of their lives. Like at that point, it's just fan service. Like, dude, you've already more than blown this team out. Like, don't give me the sportsmanship. Like it's, if it was like a, a, a regular season, you know, like franchise record or something like that, like, okay. But this is an all time record. Like this would be somebody having 30 assists a guy you know, having your teammate wide open underneath the basket with 17 seconds left, you could hit 31 assists and you just dribble the ball out. Like if it's something like, oh, you need to get another rebound and like you purposely miss to grab your own rebound, that's lame. But this was something that was in the natural flow of the game. I, I don't think would have been, you know, disrespectful. Like you're just, you're kicking a, a field goal at the end of the game. I, I I don't know. Like you, you've got the chance to make history. You you should have just pulled the trigger. I, I know a lot of uh, Dolphins fans feel the same way, but I just I thought it was really lame. Like I I was in the middle of something, and I look at my phone. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like they're about to break the record. I dropped everything, ran to the TV, made sure I had the game on, and I'm sitting there watching it. And they're lining up in the victory formation. I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me! I don't know much about Mike McDaniel's like personality or like whatever his morals i have no idea i just know that he seems he, he tends to be electric like this dude is awesome so i expected nothing he's 40 years old he's just getting his start as a head coach been coaching in the nfl since like 2006 he's getting this chance to set this record and is very early in his head coaching career i thought i would have pe- i definitely was pegging him as a guy that was going to kick that field goal. I was very surprised. I was I was shocked, honestly. But whatever. I just wanted to bring that up because that was like the biggest thing that happened today in sports. Unfortunate. Yeah. Very unfortunate indeed. 
if you're tuning into this episode, we won't want to like bury the lead here or anything. But later in the episode, uh, we have an awesome, really long conversation with our boy Kenny Beecham. You may know him better as King of the Fourth Quarter, KOT 4Q. From YouTube through the wire, is multiple uh, YouTube channels, Twitter, NBA Twitter. Cup, his appearance yeah, been with on Stephen first A. Smith take, recently. Recorded. Crazy. In Studio J, the TNT studio with their, the guys from Through the Wire, they had a, a, an episode with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Like in terms of like internet NBA content creation, it doesn't get bigger than than Kenny. I, no, I, because, I literally cannot think of anyone bigger in the space than Kenny Beecham. Right, and it, listen, there's people that make basketball content that is not really NBA there's guys that make like Jessers or someone that I think of makes content with NBA players whatever it might be like they play horse or you know those sort of things right three-point competitions but there is no one that is like a literal talking head on YouTube that is like Kenny Beecham like the dude just is a wealth of knowledge keeps up with so many teams that's always what's most interesting to me with him and a lot of these guys that we talk to is just how much knowledge that Kenny has about the Magic when the Magic aren't his team. Blows me away. I know that like it's his job, but it is incredible. Um, really, what he's able to do and, and the things that he's done. This past year has been a huge year for them. Him and all the Through the Wire guys. Like, Obviously, we've had Pierre on the show before. Maybe down the line, we need to, we need to have the, you know, the whole round out the all of them there with Mike and, and D Mills. They've this is a really fun group, man, and they're a lot of fun to talk to. So shout out to them and obviously Kenny giving us maybe the most time any guest has ever given us on the show, which is crazy to me as well, as big as Kenny is. So the dude is just awesome. More than anything, what I want from Derek is to do a food review collab. A little collab with, action. With D-Mills. Like, that, I, like if we get those guys to you know come to Orlando for a game or if they end up, you know, their next leg of like the Through the Wire tour, they come through Orlando. Us and, and D Mills at Jam Hot Chicken. Like that That's is what I was about to say. A match Jam's made gotta in, be Jam in Hot. heaven right there. You know what I mean? It's gotta be Jam but Hot for sure. Other thing that I wanted to add is for my my anime heads out there, Kenny was very oh. generous and gave us about ten plus minutes at the end of the interview just talking it up about anime. And, and it was and a, a twenty ton of fun. minutes after the camera stopped rolling talking Correct. about anime as well he was pulling correct I, mangas i don't even know manga. he was pulling mangoes out of the out of manga. the <laughs> manga. out of his, his shelf behind him oh man cannot not enough positive can be said about kenny so again shout out to him we're gonna shout him out multiple times in this episode because he's he's awesome yeah what i wanted to say is like not just kenny specific but like Oh, I've been doing this now for like four and a half years. It'll be five years in, in February. And I just feel so lucky, like not only like the opportunities that we've had, but just like the relationships that we've been able to to form, not with like necessarily players or like content creators or, or whoever, but like our community of, of listeners and Magic fans and players within the Magic organization, employees of the organization, other you know content creators, whether it be Kenny or Pierre or guys over at Pick Aside and you know other you know Magic podcasts, like you would think at this point, like we would come across some pretty crappy people, and we just haven't. Like yeah. as long as we've been doing this, everybody has been so awesome, and I just wanted to say how appreciative I am 
for our community of listeners and, and other magic fans that we you know get to to experience things with and just like guys who are at the top of their space in Kenny and Pierre and magic players and, and magic employees like everybody just being such awesome people like I just feel so fortunate that at every stop we've come across such great human beings who have mm-hmm. been awesome at their job but also just awesome about like giving us time and I just I can't say enough how much I appreciate just everybody there's a reason that they're at the top of the craft because they treated everyone well along the way gave their time and you better believe that you and I have been taking notes on these people yeah. for a long time every time that we talk to these people and with Kenny it's definitely the giving of their time man 50 minutes with a dude like him there's a lot of people that would like to do that and he just was like people would pay a lot of money for 50 minutes of that man's time yeah so and and he just yeah so we we take note for sure of of the people we come across and what they do well and especially those that are way ahead of us in terms of what we want to do long term can't say enough about them absolutely appreciate it again kenny So I want to bring this up here. Uh, Obviously, if you've been on Magic social media at all the last few days, you've seen the just absolute uproar um, surrounding you know some of the the reporting. I guess I would say about Cole Anthony. So this comes from a Bleacher Report article uh, from Eric Pincus, who is an NBA analyst and a capologist, and Admittedly, I was not very familiar with Eric Pincus's work, but a lot of people that I respect are um, and have vouched for him you know, in his reporting being legitimate. Um, so that is really why we're even talking about this. You know, There are certain things that come out from Bleacher Report or other outlets or whatever that sometimes you can just sort of brush aside because it just seems like pure speculation. But this one, when you combine it with, you know, what is happening or is not happening with Cole Anthony's extension uh, this point through the off season. uh, I felt like it was worth mentioning. So just going through uh, this, uh, this excerpt here um, talking to one player agent, he said, I think they move Anthony maybe even before the season, but I don't think they extend him. Again, we're talking about a, a a player agent who we don't know what agency he's with. We don't know how close to Cole Anthony's camp or you know other you know players' camp that he is. Um, but we thought that it was worth talking about because again, Cole Anthony has been eligible for an extension for almost two months now since the start of free agency, and everybody's coming out of the woodwork like Magic can't trade Cole Anthony they don't want the magic to trade Cole Anthony and I I do think at this point it's a it's a legitimate question uh shout out to zero one two three on Twitter he mentioned um you know a, a few days ago that on the uh the dunked on podcast I believe that's with Nate Duncan that they made an interesting point um that so far since drafting Cole Anthony in 2020 is that 15th or, or 16th overall the Magic have drafted point guards twice, Jalen Suggs in, in 2021, and you can you know you might be able to just chalk that up to the best player available in the draft. Um, but then again, this year, Anthony Black, and when we look at 
Jeff Weltman's philosophy, you know, in terms of like team building and, and what they're looking for and what they've talked about at every point with team building, size, length, versatility, Cole doesn't exactly match that mold. Now, that's not to say that the Magic don't value Cole Anthony. They don't value like what he brings to this roster. But if you're just looking at that, like I don't think that is nothing. Now, Luke, I'll, I'll throw it to you in a second here. But in my opinion, as close as we are to the start of the season and as critical a season this is going to be for the young guys, and I know I've shared this with you, but I'm kind of in the the the, the camp of like, I don't want to rock the chemistry boat right now because of the vibes have been so good. And I think the vibes, as much as people might joke about that, I do think that is such a big part of what has made this team successful and going through, you know, 22 win seasons, keeping that team together throughout the season, keeping the team together through the five and 20 start last year. I do think like the chemistry and how much these guys legitimately love each other has been a bigger factor than maybe some people would like to admit. And I think we need like at least like one more year of like great vibes before we just introduce these young guys to, Hey, this is the business of the NBA. This is how things go. We're making this move now. So I'm not a big proponent of moving Cole Anthony right now, but I do think when you look at all the details surrounding this, this report coming out, you know, a little bit more than a week before training camp starts, I don't think it is nothing. But I don't think people should freak out and get as you know excited about it as they have because people have been coming out with like the pitchforks. Yeah. Well, you just have to step back and look at it logistically. You, you have so many young guards on this team. You mentioned the, the two guards that the Magic have taken since drafting Cole Anthony. The writing's on the wall that it might not, not that it necessarily is Cole, but someone's out. There's these guys all can't be. Absolutely. These guys can't all be stars. They're not going to be. Whether it is because of lack of talent or lack of opportunity, one of those things is going to, to remain undefeated here in terms of what stops someone's growth. So that's what it's going to boil down to, unfortunately is that as much as we love the chemistry this team has, and I think Cole plays a huge part. That's not groundbreaking breaking news. Cole plays a huge part in why the chemistry is as good as it is. He's a guy that is is vocal. He, I think he probably loves pretty fiercely, if I had to guess in general, like just with his teammates and everything. Just He is always going to defend those guys, and he's going to do what it takes to, to win the game, whether that's taking his own shot, getting down playing defense for a possession there like in a, in a time that means the most going for a ball diving for a ball he's got a lot of great characteristics if it is cole it will be unfortunate i know a lot of the magic fan base will be sad to see him go but it is the business and like you said i i, I don't know that now is the time to do it to kind of put the writing on the wall even more without this extension and all that but it just might be. We don't really know with this front office as we know how things go with them. We're just going to find out one day. And I think Cole might just find out one day as well. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle it. Well, Cole, 
interestingly enough, Cole retweeted uh, that, you know, the the Dunk Central, like NBA Central sort of aggregated that bit from, uh, and let me go through it and sort of read this this whole quote again. Uh, the Magic may choose to keep all of that their guards, but that seems to be unlikely. And Anthony may be the most expendable and then goes on to finish. I think they move Anthony maybe even before the season, but I don't think they extend him. Again, one player agent said, but Cole sees this, quote tweets it, and says, a few spots left for camp tomorrow. Sign up here yet is a USF camp or UCF camp, sorry, um, Saturday. Uh, so he he saw this on on Friday and tweeted that. So yeah, I don't think we should really take anything from that other than like Cole is is not really worrying about this Bleacher Report article, and, and he shouldn't. Like he should just continue to do his job. And I also don't think it's coincidence that Coach Mosley, it was documented he was at this camp yesterday showed up to I don't know what he was doing if he actually said some words or if he was just there to support Cole but uh, I think that that just speaks to coach Mosley probably doesn't know a single thing right now like in terms of hearing things I don't know how closely the front office is is relaying information to Mose and at what point in the process he typically finds out about things but I think I'd venture to say that right now we can kind of take this with a grain of salt and just move on until we hear something further that actually comes from a source that has more information. A a lot of it is, it seems like maybe speculation there for sure. Yeah. And and again, this isn't, it's not nothing. It's not anything to just be completely dismissed, but I don't think it's, it's worth getting so upset over it as some people are. Now, once it happens, like then, then you know, obviously everybody has the the right to react to you know the way that they want to you know a move like that. But don't you know, don't be jumping off the ledge just yet. You know, we've yeah. heard for years other guys you know getting shopped, getting traded, and then year after year after year they're still here. So, um, yeah, let, let's just watch that. And you know, as we record this, you know, we've got as you all are listening to this, we've got a week until media day. So that this is something if at media day, there's no news on a Cole Anthony extension and there's no news on a Markel folks extension because Markel will be eligible for the extension starting October 1st. Those are questions that Jeff Weltman is, is going to have to face like were there contract extension discussions this summer with Cole and Markel. How did they go? Why weren't you able to, to reach a deal? Blah, 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 kind of so on and so forth. That's just how these you know things happen. And Cole, of course, now is going to deal with those questions as well if they're not able to to reach an extension, you know, um, by media day and the the start of, of training camp and everything like that. I don't have it in front of me. I don't know what uh, a deadline would be uh, for Cole to have to start. Were Cole to have to sign an extension? I feel like it it may be the start of the season. Not exactly sure, but we're just going to continue to watch this. Just like we watch everything else, again, don't uh, don't get too wrapped up into this here. I think Luke, are you looking up the uh, extension deadline? Yeah, I'm trying to look up the old deadlines here because I know they have that. Let's see. Yeah, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it here. If this is to be believed, it looks like the extension, uh, the rookie scale extension deadline, would be the start of the regular season. And if the Magic aren't able to come to an agreement with Cole. 
then we would look into you know them extending the qualifying offer next season if he signs that basically one year deal then he's an unrestricted free agent or he could go into restricted free agency so we'll just have to sort of keep an eye on that we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, before we go ahead and jump into our interview uh, with Kenny Beecham here. I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to our wonderful patrons, those folks that help um, make every episode possible. If you're not familiar with our Patreon, uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show, where we have a few different tiers of benefits that you can join to help support the show. One of our tier uh, benefits is to our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons. We give them a special shout out on each episode. I'll start by shouting out our guys over at Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Normal, Magic Player History, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael, Michael Salapong, Donkey Punch Dave, Paolo and Franz's Warmth, Pierre A, Nostalgia, and Eminem, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Drum Drum, Drummy Drum Drum, Danimal, Dutto 15, Bobby Skinner, PB in the Mix, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Gerardo, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Destin for Greatness, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time Mr. TV, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95, Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Recon, Shahin 177, Bobby the Dawn, Himlo Ben Himro, Arm Prop 221, Ray Pastrana, Magic Kid 714, Spanking Season, Soft Taco, Fuego Nando, Victor Cologne, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Only Franz, Maria, Keith Wallace, Fritz, Currency Kevin, Bro Sal. A big thank you to all of our patrons. Again, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. And one thing that we would like uh, from our, our listeners here, if you listen either on Apple Podcasts or you listen to us on Spotify, if you wouldn't mind going into your podcast app really quickly, leaving us a five-star uh, rating if you're on Spotify and a five-star rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it really helps out the show a ton. So if you could just take 30 seconds to do that for us, we'd really, really appreciate that. And now, without further ado, let's get into our conversation with the king of the fourth quarter, Kenny Beecham. 
All right, Magic fans, we are now joined by an incredibly special guest, a guy that Luke and I, and producer Kevin for that matter, have been fans of for a really long time. You might know him from a whole mess of things, a house of highlights and bleacher reports through the wire. He's the king of the fourth quarter, various YouTube channels, uh, enjoy basketball, just all over the place. Kenny Beecham. Kenny, brother, thanks for joining the show, man. How are you? Doing great, man. Doing great. We, we're connected as long as Franz Wagner is in the league. We'll always have these ties together. And I'm ready to to be sad about how good Franz is every year. I'll be back every offseason as we watch Franz progress to like an all-NBA player. Well, I didn't want to bring it up. You brought it up. <laughs> you know, we, we try to thank Chicago every chance that we get for that trade. And And who knows? You know, I know you talk about it, but would the Bulls have even drafted Franz Wagner? Nobody really knows. It worked out really well for us. You guys are, are still trying to figure out the other end of that, you know, with, with Vucevic and everything like that, signing him to the extension this year. But yeah, we're incredibly happy with Franz. Kenny, you and the, and the guys from Through the Wire, Pierre, Mike, Derek, have been killing it with the tour. Uh, just what has that been like? And, and uh, how much fun are you guys having on that tour right now? It's been surreal, honestly. I, I think that when you talk about YouTube or podcasts and you are obsessed with the numbers, getting your viewership up and things like that, but you never really contextualize the fact that those are like real people. So when we go to these different cities and stuff and meet the people and it's like, oh, my username is this. Oh, I follow you on Twitter. I didn't even put because you don't you don't have a profile picture. You know, you, you're John Morant Stan on Instagram. <laughs> so, you know, to, to see those people and meet those people because we do the show. And then we spend like three hours straight meeting everyone, meet and greet, pictures, sign stuff, whatever they really need. Um, and it's been so very cool. It's probably the most fun we've had collectively since we started the show um, to, to get the, the feedback, to get the, the audience to laugh, to feel how you feel. It's, it's been amazing, man. And I can't believe the next stop is our last stop for some time. And I'm not looking forward to it, honestly. How many how many shows did you are you guys doing? Or have you done? Uh, that this one will be the seventh show in Denver for the season okay. opener. Yeah, and you, I mean, we—I was just telling this before we hopped on here, but the video of your most recent stop, where it pans through the crowd, and then it has the stage where you guys aren't out there yet. You guys are probably getting prepped, ready, whatever, mic'd up to get out on stage. I sent that to the guys, and I was like, "Man, this is like exactly what a podcaster's dream is." And something that like we dream about. So like it's super inspiring to see that you guys paving the way for stuff like this, right? Like you guys do this type of stuff. I believe Old Man in the Three has done this before. I know some other various podcasts have started to do it. So it's becoming more the norm. And and like you said, you, you don't really think about how many people are listening to the show mm -hmm. and and watch you guys and follow you until you get yourself in a setting like that. We would love to do that in Orlando. Um, you know, solely just for that one day. Um, and and man, you guys, like I said, you're paving the way. So shout out to you guys. You guys are killing it. Appreciate that. It, it's been weird because because it's a free show. You get a lot of people that will RSVP but not show up. So mm -hmm. you know, you get a thousand RSVPs, RSVPs, and you're like, okay, we know a thousand is not going to show up. This venue holds 700. Are we going to get over capacity to 700? And luckily, the only spot that was over capacity was Toronto. And they had a back room with TVs. So we had a group of people that didn't even experience the aura of being like in the actual venue. So what we did is we did the show for them. Uh, we did the show for everybody. And then we spent 30 minutes going to that back room to talk with the people that was in the surplus to make everybody feel good. But you guys can do it. 
you guys can do it. I mean, with the centralized uh, fan base that you have in Orlando, I have no doubt in my mind you guys can put together a great show, a live show, and have people come out and enjoy it with y'all. Someday. You guys are um, are much funnier, much more entertaining, <laughs> more handsome than us. So you guys you guys have a lot going for you. We we have the opposite experience with the RSVPs. Whenever we do something, we get RSVPs and then we're like, okay, like, all right, this is a great turnout. But then like we've been lucky enough that our, our turnouts usually exceed the RSVPs. Which is not we've normal, done a couple but in of, Orlando, it's that way for right. sure. Right. Yeah, and we've we've really appreciated that. Kenny, going back uh uh, to last Friday, September 15th, the Magic hosted an event where they unveiled, this is their 35th anniversary season, so they unveiled the the throwback edition jersey they're going to be wearing this year, and they unveiled the throwback edition court that they'll be playing on when they wear those jerseys. The T-Mac, iconic stars, yeah. you tweeted out, finally, uh, I'm guessing you like these. Just share your thoughts with the with the jersey and the floor with us. You guys have a great um well, being a Bulls fan, we basically have had one jersey our entire existence, just slightly different variations. Um, so when our throwbacks are just the text, just slightly slanted and, and things like that. But for y'all, it feels like throughout the history of the Orlando Magic, it's been banger after banger. You get pinstripes and then you get these ones that you're throwing back. And I'm real life jealous because I think there are few there are fewer teams that have a better, I don't know, aesthetic to them than the Orlando Magic. The logo is clean. The colors are clean. And then it, it feels like their jerseys are always top tier. And if I was ranking my favorite jerseys in the history of basketball, the one that's throwing back that you guys are uh, using this year, definitely top five. Definitely top five. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for it. I would say I'd get a Wendell Carter jersey, but it would just hurt my heart a, a little bit. Um, but Jalen Suggs, the homie. So maybe it's a Jalen Suggs jersey instead. It's a beautiful thing. And I love when they throw it back with the court as well. And the court is as beautiful as the jersey, if you ask me. So I'm excited to see them. My, my curiosity is like, how often do they wear them? Because sometimes teams throw it back and it's almost exclusively wearing that jersey because it is that nice or that much of a fan favorite. Um, I guess it's not a throwback, but I remember when the Utah Jazz had the gradient jersey. And I swear for the entire season, that is the only jersey they wore. And it's not great. Uh, and hopefully with this jersey being great, they wear it super often, but we'll see. It's 10 so, times, unfortunately. Ah, uh, it's not good yeah, enough. It's rough, but it is opening night. So that'll be a lot okay. of fun to be there opening night for it. We're doing like a group night when the game is on TNT against OKC in February on the 13th. And be uh, that'll be the, the case then. I think y'all's issue in Chicago as far as jerseys go. Obviously, you guys were founded, what, like in the 60s. But mm -hmm. the issue that I think you guys had was winning so much when Jordan was around that like that the magic haven't won. Yeah. You so, four sons yeah. of guns. Yeah. You guys won titles. so much that you're like, that is the nostalgia. I would hate that. Like you, you I, cause we've entered in like the two thousands has definitely been like teams getting creative with jerseys and things. But now at this point, like Chicago, I think it's too far gone. You guys won too much in those jerseys. So you got to basically throw back to those or nobody else cares. Cause those are the icons. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, that's kind of the case for all Chicago teams. The White mm -hmm. Sox just recently started to get kind of cool with their jerseys. The Cubs have always been pretty much the same. Don't ask me about the Blackhawks. I have no idea. But the the Bears recently went back with the the big orange jerseys that they lost in this week. So um, it's a very traditional city, I guess. But winning definitely pl played a part for sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, all the when you think back, all of those jerseys are are so iconic. It's like you 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 really can't change any of that, Kenny. Talking, you know, obviously you, you mentioned Franz Wagner at the top of the show. He just world champion. You know, shout out to Noah Lyles. You know, world yeah. champion. Yeah. Um, I know how you all feel about that as well. Um, but Franz had an awesome you know a run in World Cup with Germany. Paolo had the the stint with Team USA. Just I know you guys were paying attention to the World Cup. Um, how did you think our guys looked uh, for USA and for Germany? Really good. The The first game, uh, we were in the airport about to board our trip to Toronto when we were watching uh, New Zealand versus USA. And, and that was the big Palo game where he's playing the five. He's defending. I think he ended with 20 plus points. Um, and I'm like, yeah, they. I, I can't say I've watched 82 games of the Orlando Magic of the rookie season of Palo Becaro. So maybe they have unlocked him at five a little bit, but maybe. Not as much. Okay, the faces are saying no. Um, that looked like something that could be a viable option, you know, sometime this season. Obviously, you got Wendell Carter, who's pretty damn good in itself. Um, but I like the idea of having him there. I didn't really expect him to elevate his defense that much in that game, and I was so excited to see it happen. It was one of my favorite games of the entire tournaments because of that, because I feel like I learned so much, not just about him, but Austin Reeves in that game, a Tyrese Howell. It, like everybody felt like they were playing a different version of themselves that we haven't really been able to see at the NBA level. Obviously, throughout the course of the tournament, his production went down quite a bit, but I'd ex- I expected that from you know, a rookie player going into a world uh, tournament. But there are still so many bright spots, especially defensively with Paolo in that. But Franz is the one. Now, of course, Franz missed the time, um, missing, I think, three games, maybe four games throughout the stretch. Somewhere um, around but, there. Yeah, it was three or four because it was Japan and then missed like Finland, Australia. And there was, I think, there were, I think it was three. But a lot of the times when they were playing, he felt like, I know uh, Dennis Schroeder got the, the MVP of the entire tourney, but when Jeremy was playing, he felt like a one of the two best players on the court in a lot of the games that they played. And that's not surprising to me, uh, but it was really cool to see, um, especially a team like Germany that has this cohesion. Um, obviously, they got the big thing with with uh, Maxi when you know they he wanted to play but didn't commit three years or whatever. I like to see those cohesive units end up performing well and, and world stage, obviously something that Team USA has struggled with. Uh, and he was amazing. Um, I got a chance that, okay, let me tell you this story real quick. In Vegas, I'm at a, I'm at a meeting at the Wynn Hotel. It, somebody said to us once, if you want business to get done, go to the Wynn. So we went to the Wynn. We set up a, a, um, a meeting with this executive, whatever, whatever. We're sitting at this coffee shop and in come the Wagner brothers. And I'm like, I have the opportunity to get the funniest Twitter picture of all time if I just ask Franz for a picture. Caption, what could have been? I was wearing a Bulls hoodie. Like, it, it, it was the perfect scenario. But I had to be a professional in the moment. And I said, one day we'll cross paths again and I'll, I'll get that picture eventually. Uh, but he, he was cool. I mean, I gave him a, a little nod as I was le- uh, leaving out and he nodded back just I think that happens pretty often with NBA players that get recognized. And um, so it's just a, hey, yes, I am six foot eight um, <laughs> and play basketball professionally. Um, but yeah, Franz, amazing. Excited to see what this next year looks like for him. You and said Latvia was that other game he missed. It just came. To so mind. so you said uh, Franz is the one. Now, when you're as Magic fans, we, Jonathan and I talked about this recently. We were like, there is just no point for magic fans to put the two against each other 
But since you are not a fan of the Magic, yeah, you're obviously a Bulls fan. From the outside perspective, is to you is Franz? Do you think he has a better, like a higher ceiling than Paolo? What's your take on the two of those guys in terms of comparatively? I got to ask this before too, and I think my original response was the ceiling on Paolo was higher. But I can't say that to be like a like if you told me it, you believe Franz has a higher ceiling, I'm not going to argue with you because Franz is for his young age. He's one of the most complete players as far as being able to do a little bit of everything at a good level. So if he takes a few of those skills and elevate them to great, which we've seen some with his ability to finish at the basket and things like that, he's one of the few few plus shooters on your Orlando Magic roster right now. If if you if you ask me right now on this day. Who's going to be the one? I'd probably go Palo by a, a slight margin. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Now, is that because like something that we've learned is to stop putting a ceiling on Franz because we did it from day one. Like as soon yep. as he's drafted, it took a lot of people you know, by surprise. But we're like, OK, he's a glue guy. He's going to do a little bit of everything. He's going to add forward depth. And within like two weeks, we're like, what is happening? Like, yeah. what is happening right now? Because this kid is like nice, nice. And then it's like, OK, well, you know, maybe he can be like pretty solid and then goes in a Euro basket last year. 30 foot step back right in Giannis's face to beat Greece and move on into the Euro you know, basket. I think that put them into like the semifinals, if I'm remembering correctly. And we're like, wait a minute, this kid might like be super special. And then follows that up with the second year. And now was the player of the game, which I think was, you know, they knew they were giving Schroeder the MVP of the tournament. So they kind of mm-hmm. gave Franz the player of the game in the final, but had a great game in the final and, and won the FIBA World Cup beat team USA and you know uh, beat Serbia in the final like do you feel like it's so close because you really can't put a ceiling on Franz or like what do you think Paolo's ceiling is I think Paolo has the ability to be one of the maybe it's I'm not going to put a number one of the best scorers in all of the NBA like once he hits his mid-20s or whatever it is I mean we've seen players like Shea who haven't even hit mid-20s and you know one of the best scorers um and I, I think that's what I value a little bit more um, even though Franz may not have that ceiling as a score necessarily, but he can do all of the other stuff. I, I guess this is really where you where you value things. But on your other point about him surprising everybody on draft day, um, I'm I'm in uh, Discord with one of my guys, Mike Smith. He went to he went to Michigan. He played with Franz um, on that legendary run where they went to what was it the Elite Eight, Final Four, whatever it ended up being. 
Mike Smith is on that roster. And Franz gets drafted, and I don't watch college basketball, so I'm not going to act like I was an expert in the moment. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting, because, again, it's the Bulls' picks. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with them picking that guy because I don't know anything about him, you know? And then Mike is like, no, he's really that nice. I'm like, okay, let me go watch some footage. And I'm watching the footage, footage at Michigan. I'm like, okay, I can see, but at the end of the day, like you mentioned, glue guy, whatever, whatever. And Mike's like, no. There are things in practice that he did that we know is going to be he was going to be able to showcase at the NBA level that they he wasn't able to do at college. I'm like, okay, bet. And then, of course, the season comes around and he's a lot better than than uh, projected. Um, But to get to your original point about the Bulls, sorry to do it again. They would not have drafted Franz Wagner. Jonathan Kaminga would have been a Chicago Bull. He's basically the Patrick Williams archetype. He's it would have been him. Um, and now I'm thinking about it. He went what one pick later, two picks later, or something along the lines. Um, I think Kamingo was it was it six or seven to Golden State. I think Kamingo went before Franz. Okay. Then maybe Franz would have been the guy. Never, I never, never mind. <laughs> That's why you know Warriors fans are like, well, what if we would have took Franz instead of Jonathan Kamingo? You know how, no, how yeah, much different? Oh, seven. You're absolutely right. So you're they absolutely right. Before uh, the Magic. Yep. But yep, now, you're right. In in talking about those guys, Kenny. They are going to be what propels this team. The team will go as they go as the years go on. What is your outlook for this upcoming season? Obviously, you add guys like Anthony Black, Jet Howard, guys like Markel, Jalen Suggs, finally getting like a full offseason to, to, to get ready and be ready by training camp. Can, can I just jump in here, especially with Markel? People keep saying this. Markel had a fully healthy offseason. He did last year, That's and then true. like two weeks before training camp before breaks, season, just so can we just hold off on that? Until we get to media day, please, for the love of yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. So to this point, Markel has had fully healthy offseason. But yeah. all that being said, what is your projection for this team in terms of, you know, it doesn't have to be a win loss record, but where you might think they fall in the Eastern Conference when this season is said and done? I'm extremely excited. Um, and, and not much of it has to do with the rookies because, again, I don't know much about Jet. Or about Anthony Black, even though my boy Pierre raves about Anthony Black's ability to to get everybody involved. So I'm excited to see that. But more watching the FIBA stuff and seeing the progression of those players. And when, when I was looking at the teams that finish outside of the top 10 in the Eastern Conference, there are a few teams that are very intriguing to me. Um, and the two I had to boil it down to was the Orlando Magic and Indiana Pacers as a team that should pop into the top 10. Um, and with the Orlando Magic having multiple guys that I can see having an all-star caliber jump, I'm going to give them the edge. So I see them as a team that will not only be in the playoff hunt, but maybe in the place where I don't mean they're fighting for nine or 10, you know what I'm saying? That, that to me would be like, okay, it's progression, but maybe not as good as I want it to be. Maybe I'm just a little bit more bullish and maybe I'm pushing the timeline a little bit more. But the roster, when I look at it, I mean, of course, you guys were a 500 team once Mark Hale got back from his injury. I'm, I'm assuming that's going to transition over. You guys were a lot better defensively than I would have anticipated with the roster being as young as it is. And I hope we get something from my guy, Jalen Suggs, you know, just another year of NBA play where he becomes a good NBA player. I'll just leave it at that, a good NBA player. So that that's that's my I can't even call it a surprise team because I think most people understand how good Paolo was last season and how good Franz was last season. And a lot of people are projecting them to be in this realm. But I think it's going to be the case. 
That, that would be my my one of my league pass teams. People that know ball know that, Kenny, but you would be <laughs> shocked at the comments and, and mentions that we get on Twitter saying otherwise. Yeah. You know, like we, we we argue that, you know, Franz, like if, if you're redrafting that 2021 draft class, like there's a case for Franz to be the number one pick in that draft. Absolutely. Now, if you're going Kate or Evan Mobley, like we can have a discussion. But if you're not willing to have that discussion and we have people calling Franz mid and stuff like that and they want to bring up, you know, Paolo's efficiencies as a as a 19 year old rookie getting triple teamed on a nightly basis. Yeah. Like I, I think that you might be a little bit surprised by some of the stuff that we have to deal with. There's two players in the NBA that I feel like I defend more than the average fan. Of course, is Rudy Gobert. I have a, a very um, big history of defending Rudy Gobert. There are hour-long compilations of people watching my podcast and putting together videos of me defending Rudy Gobert. But second is Wendell Carter because the, the individual stats do not jump off the page. But when he ended up in Orlando and I saw him actually starting to confidently take the threes, I was so pissed because this is something that I've been wanting him to do in Chicago since he was drafted. And now he's doing that to the sense that he's one of the better shooting bigs, bigs. I mean, he's not he's shorter than the average big, but bigs and ball. And he's such a good positional defender that I'm like, man, just watch some magic games and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to him. He's that nice, and he's one of the best contracts in all of basketball. The extension that he signed, was it a year ago, two years ago, is pennies for his production. And one, if there's one thing when I look at this roster, I would, I would want someone that was backing him up that I trust um, a little bit more than what's on the roster, but in due time. I mean, Paolo's playing a five pretty damn well, so maybe Paolo is now the pseudo back of five with the, with the second unit and stuff. I'm excited about the versatility of the roster. What what do you think was the reason that Orlando unlocked Dell's ability to shoot the three ball? Because in Chicago, I mean, even in like if you look at like his second season in Chicago in forty three games, he shot he shot point seven threes a game at twenty percent. And then you fast forward a few years, and in Orlando last year has his best season from beyond the arc, almost four threes a game, thirty five point six from three. So do you think it was just off-season work or was it the do you think the front office or like the the coaching in Orlando gave Wendell the reins to like kind of control and what what he wanted to do and that really lined up and he achieved a great you know being a pretty great three-point shooter for his size. Um un- unfortunately for Wendell his first couple years as an NBA pro he was coached by arguably the worst coach in the last 20 years. <laughs> I didn't want to <laughs> say it. <laughs> and and because of that, I mean, we see a lot of players from that team go to their next roster, like Larry Marketing, and elevate their game to the newest level. And I did take Larry one stop before he got there, being in Cleveland for a year. But still, they, I feel like Jim Boylan not only set the Chicago Bulls back multiple years, he set the development back for a lot of players. And I think Wendell was one of those guys. There's reports years ago, this is maybe a sophomore year, where he was saying, like, I would rather be a four in the NBA right now understandable the guy is 610 and it's you know he's going to get seven footers every night getting his ass beat but it also could have been like hey i believe in my ability to stretch the floor but instead it was like no we're gonna have you on the short roll maybe take some mid-range jump shots some floaters but don't you dare take a shot outside the three-point shot because i mean we already had larry market in here and we had some other shooters but i i love that and maybe this is just me as a bulls fan 
when he plays against the Bulls, he makes it known that he's he does not like this organization. I don't know if the stats even prove it, but as a I fan, I'm might. watching him. <laughs> I'm watching him dominate my boys, you know, a couple times a year. And it's like, yeah, this is what we could have had. That, that Chicago Bulls roster is an all, not an all time, but as far as Bulls fandom goes, is one of the biggest what ifs. Because so many people have developed very well. And if you put the over under on Wendell Carter all star appearances at 0.5, I'm taking the over. You know, I think he will be an all star one at least one time in his career. Luke, what does uh, a Wendell, stat muse have to say about that? Yeah, Jonathan knew I was on the stat. I, I knew already. it. I knew when, it. Wendell, he uh, in his games against his eight games against the Bulls, 19 and a half points per game, eight and a half rebounds, three assists. Those are like I said in eight Turns games versus the Bulls. Bit. So he's definitely above his average in terms of points for sure. Because I think he's like a yeah. 15 and 10. So yeah, no, 19, like 19 and a half and game. eight and a half. Um, there was one game either last year or the year before. I'm, I'm going to see if I can find it where he just came out and he scored like 12 points in the first quarter. And like, yeah, this is going to be one of those games. Um, y- yeah, it was it was his game in 2021, um, November 26th. He ended up this game. I mean, he ended with 26 and 10, but that 26 was the most impactful 26 I've seen for him ever. Um, the, the Bulls end up winning the game. So. You know, I think that was Black Friday. Was this in Orlando? Uh, I'm pretty sure the Magic got blown out in that game. Yes, absolutely. It was a blowout, unfortunately. I I was there. (laughs) This is uh, this is good Bulls. This is Lonzo Ball Bulls. This is when we were at you know number two in the conference, and we're like Bulls are back, and (laughs) and indeed we're not. Yeah, Vucha. That was Vucha's first game back in Orlando. So that's the only game that I've ever had courtside seats for. Oh wow! Had to be there for for our guy. And uh, didn't, in my opinion, didn't get the reception that he should have at that game. But um, yeah, they uh, waxed us. That was not a fun game to be at for uh, other than, you know, Vooch's his first game back. Kenny, we saw you tweet, uh, you know, the Magic should give Buddy Heald a call. We're talking about some of the rumors that came out surrounding Buddy Heald a few days ago and Indiana Pacers and, and Buddy Heald's representatives not really able to come to a deal on an extension. A lot of reports are that, you know, Ben Matherin is going to be starting in the backcourt next to Tyrese Halliburton this year. Buddy Heald doesn't really want to come off the bench and might hurt his market value heading into free agency next season. Don't so much want to ask you about, you know, what kind of deal the Magic should put together for Buddy Heald, but more so just talking about the the slew of guards that we have. When you talk about Markel Fultz, Gary Harris, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, uh, Anthony Black as well. What guys do you see really being part of the Magic long term in, in terms of the guards? We have the the forward and seems like the center figured out, but there's still so much to be decided with the guards. Yeah, I don't know exactly where to gauge Markel Fultz as an NBA player right now. Like, obviously, he's he's a, he's a damn good player, but I mean, in the grand scheme of Orlando, when the Orlando Magic are competing for, you know, the top seed in the conference, will um Markel Fultz be the point guard I don't I don't really know but obviously even if it is a stop gap point guard you can see from last season he's damn good at that um it's it's hard to really say because again you guys have drafted well especially in that fourth position um luckily Franz Wagner is as good as he is that the Jalen Suggs pick doesn't look as bad because you 100% hit on one of the two I'm not leaving hope for for Jalen Suggs because I think that his defensive intensity is gonna bring him value in the NBA it's just a matter of can he shoot? And um, didn't he hit a game winner against the Bulls? 
I didn't want to bring it up, but yes, he did. <laughs> okay. Um, so y- yes, um, I, I would still count him as part of the future. I'm, I'm a guy that wants a, a rookie player, especially a high drafted rookie player to play out the first uh, three to four years of his career with that team before I decide uh, he's not really for us. So though he hasn't been as productive as you want from a high lottery pick, I still feel okay with him being a part of that. Now, when we talk about the Gary Harris's of the world. Uh, I, I think that he started to look a lot better um, eventually once he got completely healthy, which is intriguing because he's a guy that in his past had been able to to hit the three-point shot really well. And, and of course, with this roster, you kind of need that. Cole Anthony, I saw some rumors earlier. I don't know the the, the validity. What's the word I'm looking for? Validity. 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 I'm bad the with va- words too, Kenny. I'm, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> the validity, validity of any of that. Um, but if you're asking me as far as the guard play, who do I feel good about being a part of the long-term thing? I'll say Anthony Black just because I haven't seen a single second of him yet. I will say Markel, and I will say Jalen Suggs. Um, not Mac McClung. Though, if he ever does play, you, you're good. You're good. I, I've watched him in Chicago. You're good for one really good dunk. And that's probably going to equate to some pretty cool jersey sales. But those would be the guys. I, so real quick, Kenny, I'll jump in here. You talk about Markel and like you said, not sure what he looks like long term. He has an impact on winning. And I wanted to bring that up as well. When we talk about Markel, we talked about this on your Kenny for real channel when we went on uh, over a year ago, which is crazy. But The magic since Markel has been on the team, not necessarily playing because he has had injury riddled seasons for sure. The magic have had over 300 games in that span. Markel has been active for and playing for 158 of them. The magic's record in those 300 plus games has not been great at all in terms of the total record. Right. But yet Markel Fultz boasts a 40, almost 47% win percentage on the magic when he is playing he is 74 the magic are 74 and 84 when he is playing so for how bad this team is it makes it hard for me to think that markel isn't on this team for a championship roster but i also know it's a whole different ball game when you get into the postseason and what players are actually effective and that's what i'm most excited about is that i hope we get a postseason run so we can find out okay these are the guys that actually when playing meaningful games rise to the occasion that we can see on this team long term and when the championship comes around. I feel pretty confident Markel Fultz, as long as we have shooters with him and the lineup with him that he can play make with, he's going to impact winning at such a high level. No other team player on this team impacts winning like him. And mm. I, I think he's just slept on in a lot of ways. So I hope I would argue what? Franz. Franz impacts. It's fair, but Markel has been do like he's just seventy four and eighty four, like it's crazy he's, to me. He's more proven his, his impact on yes, the Magic. There's winning. a higher yeah. sample size in terms of win-loss and his win percentage is higher because Franz has just been around when a lot of people have been out. Let's be honest. That 5-20 and 20 start, Franz is an Iron Man, so his record is not going to be as good. But yeah, I think there's definitely an argument to be made there. But just some context for Markel because I know a lot of people don't really know and are quick to not really give their assumptions on Markel because a lot of people don't know. Yeah, I want to I want to quickly just ask a question because it was something I was curious about. Um, one of the more not confusing, but surprising signings of the offseason was the Joe Ingles stuff. How, how do you guys feel? I know you probably talked about it on the show, but I haven't heard. How do you guys feel about the Joe Ingles? Yeah, I think, um, you know, so the magic wave Terrence Ross last February 
And that left Gary Harris as the oldest player on the Magic roster. And Gary Harris is 29 years old. He just turned 29 years old about a week ago. So at the time, he was the the elder statesman of the roster. And for a team that is as young as ours, you need... Maybe you don't need a whole slew of veterans, but you need a little bit more uh, maturity in the room, I think. So that's where Joe comes into play. And also just some, not, not just the shooting, which obviously everybody knows that, that we need more than anything else, but like his ability to be a second or you know, tertiary ball handler and make plays off the dribble and you know, his vision and, and passing, I think is going to be like really welcomed. But not only that, like, you know, he, he can play a little bit of, of the four in short spurts. And to me, it's it's a little bit of I don't want to say it's Jonathan Isaac insurance because he can't really fill the same role. But let's say, you know, Jonathan Isaac most likely will not be playing like second night of back to backs, third games in four nights. He might have some scheduled rest games. Having Joe Ingles to be able to fill some of those minutes, I think, is going to be big. It was sort of out of nowhere for us at first. Like, oh, whoa, like Joe Ingles, like, okay, But when you look at what the Magic need, to me, it makes a lot of sense, especially given the fact that it's really like a one-year deal because you know it's a it's a team option in that second year. So if he's not working out or the Magic just want to open up cap space and get crazy next summer, they have the mechanisms in place to be able to do that. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. And you knock out two birds with one stone for sure with Joe Ingles. Like you needed that vet presence. You need you desperately needed a shooter like Jonathan said, and like we've been saying for a very long time. And you accomplish that with Joe Ingles, man. I, I, I'm very excited about him doing that. I don't think that his minutes are going to be at a super high volume by any means because you got a lot of young guys that need burn, especially mm-hmm. you know this coming year. There's a lot of guys that are going to want to separate themselves. So hopefully Joe can give us like, I don't even know, like 18 to 20 minutes a game. But uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm all on board. Everybody knows that listens to the show. I'm on board with Joe Ingles. I welcome the shooting and the vet presence. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So I wanted to go back to, I know, Kenny, we were talking about Jalen Suggs a, a moment ago. So although, you know, he definitely has not lived up to the the pre-draft hype, like you, we drafted him, you know, at five and we're like, okay, we've got our starting backcourt of the future now with Markel and Jalen. And although I, I think Luke and I would agree that that's probably most likely going to be the starting backcourt this season, that's still very much in the air. It, it could be Cole Anthony. It could be Gary Harris. You know, we'll, we'll kind of have to see how that plays out through training camp in the preseason, but I do think he took a big step this year. Like he he went from a I think a twenty one percent three point shooter his rookie year to thirty two percent last year. So an eleven point improvement there. Also improved as a free throw shooter. Was really hot shooting the ball to to end the year. Uh, but if he can take even a, a little, not eleven point jump obviously, but if he can get to thirty five or thirty six percent from the three point line, I think people really underrate just how good he is with the ball in his hands now. Mm. He has been turnover prone in the past and has had to work to tighten up the handle a little bit, which I think he's improved on. But this is a guy that really can get to his spot whenever he needs to. He's been really, really good in the mid-range and is such a high-level perimeter defender. We saw it in the beginning of the year against Golden State in our building. Like Jalen locked Steph Curry down the last several possessions of that game, forced multiple turnovers to win the game. So when we talk about a guy that impacts winning, when Jalen has been given the opportunity to close games, all the kid has done is made winning plays. So I would probably venture to say that I'm a bit higher on Jalen and his potential than a lot of you know our, our fan base is. But 
we had him on the show and, and appreciate the shout out by the way on on through the wire you gave us a little shout out there appreciate that very much of course um but he seems super locked in and incredibly motivated and he's super excited about this upcoming season so that's really one of the the things that i'm most excited for this season is to see if he can make another leap because that'll that'll change everything again for the franchise if he's able to yeah, he's he's a very easy guy to root for. You watch one interview of his, and you're like, "Oh man, I, you know, I want to see him be successful." I got a chance to interview him with Chipotle of all things right before the NBA draft, and um, he I had a group of four different players. He was the first one of the day, and obviously, I'm sure you guys experience this too. I get nervous when I'm interviewing someone new. Um, again, I don't watch college ball, so I'm like, I spent the the 24 because it was a quick turnaround when they asked me to do it versus me being there i spent the last 24 hours researching him evan mobley keon johnson and davion mitchell trying to figure things out and then he walks into the chipotle and he's with his pops and he's just as cool as can be he he introduced himself to every single one of the people the crew that was working and i think it tells a lot about a person if they go into a room and they introduce themselves as themselves some people i mean like um i'm trying to think of an, an example of this if you're LeBron James, everybody knows who you are, but it tells who you are as a person if you're still willing to say, hey, I'm LeBron, not assuming that people know who you are. Everybody that's in the shoot knows who Jalen Suggs is because we've prepped for Jalen Suggs, but he walked in, he introduced himself, so he did a great shoot. Uh, we were twiddling our thumbs while something was broken on the camera. He was like, you play MLB The Show? I'm like, yeah, I play MLB The Show. He's like, man, we got to run it. So that that was like how we became cool. Um, I mean, I haven't talked to him much since that day, but like, you know, he hit me back on the gram and everything. It was like, okay, no matter where he ends up getting drafted, this I'm going to be a fan of this guy, and I wish him nothing but the best. So, yeah, to hear that he's super locked in and ready makes me excited as a as a Jalen Suggs fan. He's such a good dude. I, I don't know if we told you this last year, but we um, so he gets drafted. We're filming a vlog at the draft. Scotty goes for everybody goes crazy because we know that now we're drafting Jalen Suggs. We post that to Twitter. He sees it, retweets it, is giving the city a, a ton of love. And then we connected over Instagram. And then, you know, fast forward one year, we get the number one overall pick. I'm driving to Orlando to go to the, the draft party and where uh, the Magic let us record in Amway after the draft. It was a, a really dope setup. And he messages us. He's like, yo, I'm going to be there tonight. I would love to meet y'all. And I'm like, well, you want to you want to meet us? Yes, <laughs> we can make that happen. And then we're trying to coordinate it throughout the night. We're in the middle of recording, and he goes, yo, I'm, I'm outside the locker room. Come on down. So we went down, said, what's up? I was like, Jalen, you said you want to come on the show? We're recording right upstairs. He walked up there with us and was just like the coolest, like most down-to-earth guy, like is always showing fans and the, the city love. So that doesn't – your interaction and your experience with Jalen doesn't surprise me at all. We love that dude. Yeah, shout-out to Jalen, man. Shout-out to Jalen. All right, folks, we're about to take a turn. We are about to take a turn. There's some of y'all are going to tune out. Some of y'all are going to be hyped. Luke is sitting here. He might tune out, but he's a co-host. He's got to sit here through the entire thing. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the the vast collection of manga that my boy Kenny Beecham has here. He's a massive anime guy, a massive manga guy. If you follow his burner on Twitter, um, he's always posting about different manga and everything that he's reading. Kenny, I'm not really so much into the manga yet. Mm -hmm. um, over the course, like the last like three years, I've really gotten into anime, Naruto, Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, Jujutsu Kaisen. 
can, can for those people out there that don't really know why anime is so great, can you put people on right now? Yeah. So the reason I love anime is because no matter what emotion you want to experience, you can find a show that fits that emotion. One of the first things, uh, well, one of the first things I tell my, my wife, now wife, um, crazy, uh, is that like, Again, no matter what she feels in that moment, oh, you want to feel sad? Oh, let's go watch Spirited Away. You want to see some intense action? Let's go watch Attack on Titan. You want some horror? The Promised Neverland first season is just like that, you know? So you can, you can experience so many different emotions. And personally, I, I find it that I, I guess, personally relate to it a lot better than like live action stuff. I don't know why. I guess it's, it's always been that way. Not even just with anime, but like when I was a kid with the cartoons and stuff, it kind of, though a lot of it is shonen, which is created for teenage boys, I'm an, an adult and I still feel like I connect with a lot of these characters and stuff. So I always recommend that people give it a try. Sometimes it's not going to be for you, which is completely fine. But just because you didn't like, like one show doesn't mean that you should get rid of the entire genre because there's so many different things out there for everybody. What are some of your, your favorite anime and what are you currently watching? Uh, my number one is One Piece. Um, I didn't watch One Piece. Well, I'm watching One Piece. I read One Piece. Um, I, I all was, of it? I wrote, all or of it. Is it was still a, ongoing, right? Still ongoing. We're like uh, a, a thousand and ninety four chapters. I think it's where we're at right now. Um, and I read it all. I, I, I'm weekly going through it, you know? Um and I enjoyed it so much. It's like, even though I know the story, I got to go watch it now. I need to see this in full animation. So that's where I'm going through right now for the people at home. I'm on Skypea on animation for, for the people that keep up. Um, but that's like my number one. What introduced me to it was Naruto. I think a lot of people have a similar thing, whether it be DBZ or Naruto, that gets people into it. Um, actually, my boy Mike, who's on the uh, my podcast with me, put me on to Naruto when we were, oof, I don't know how old we were, but we were super, super young at that point. And I'm just... I enjoyed cool animation. And once we got to the point where Rock Lee is fighting against Gara, I'm like, it's raps. That's, that's all I need to see. I'm hooked on Naruto. I'm hooked on this genre. What else you say out there? Okay. Now let's go watch DBZ. All right. Now let's go watch this and that. It, it took until uh, December of last year t for me to start one piece, because again, we're talking a thousand chapters, a thousand episodes. It's, it took seven months for me to catch up, but because it was so long, I just put it off. I watch. I'd rather watch this. I'd rather watch that. But I locked in, and I got through the first seventy chapters. I know it's a lot. Before it got good, it it took seventy chapters. I know once I tell people that, they're turned off by it. But if you can get to Arlong Park, everything else is going to be elite. It's peak peak reading, peak peak animation. Have you watched the the live action One Piece yet? Absolutely. So, and what are your uh, thoughts? How does that hold up? I've watched the first episode. I haven't watched One Piece because a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned. It's a thousand episodes, and part of me is like, it took me eight months to get through Naruto and Shippuden, which yeah. is like seven hundred episodes. So to try to find the time to get through a thousand plus, it's just so daunting that I'm like, I would rather watch Demon Slayer, or Jujutsu Kaisen, you know, or, or some of these other shows. Um, but but yeah. Yeah, the One Piece um, live action adaptation is like, in my experience, the best live adaptation. I mean, we've seen a lot of people try to do it with uh, Death Note and so on and so forth, and it just falls flat in his face. This one, it, it's not true to the source material completely, 
But the creator of One Piece is in on a lot of the decision. He was there for the casting. So all of the characters feel like the person that he wrote starting back in what 1994, I think it's when or 1996 is when the series started. So he's there on set almost every day. He's making sure this and that. And again, it does. It's not a one to one, but it's so very close that a diehard One Piece fan can watch and say, man, this is great. And once I saw it got renewed for a second season, even though we're still going through uh, the strike and everything, w- once we get through that and they get into the mode of creating season two, I'm so, so very hype. Uh, perfect casting. There's one moment, and I don't want to spoil anything for any p- people at home, but at the end of Arlong Park, there's one scene that is a one-to-one depiction from the anime to the manga to the live action. And it, I, I kid you not, Jonathan, I cried. I cried. Now I'm just saying once you maybe once you get there, if you continue to watch it, you'll you'll know that moment. But I real tears. Would you recommend watching the anime before watching the live action? Do you feel strongly no. about that? No, I think I don't think so. Just because it's so much of a time because you're like I can I can sing my praises about One Piece, but I know it's not going to be worth the time for most people. Um, the live action adaptation is basically gets you through the first couple arcs, um, which is about, I want to say 80 chapters of the manga is what the live action adaptation really represents. So my guy, uh, Mike, he never watched One Piece, but he watched the live action. He was like, oh man, this was great. So he picked up on the anime where the live action ended. So now he's going through one piece through the animation, but that was through the live action, which I thought was pretty cool. Last question, because the, the way that I found out that you, you know, were a were a, a man of culture, I guess is the way that I'll put it, is I was watching one of your old videos and I saw a poster. I think it was of the Colossal Titan in your room at the time. What, what point in Attack on Titan were you completely hooked? And then who is your favorite character in Attack on Titan? Episode one. Okay. Um, I'm not spoiling anything because it is episode one, but when when Ma Dukes gets chopped up, I'm like, oh, okay, this is real because ev- everything happens so fast. Like, if you want to watch a show that perfectly grasps someone, watch episode one of Attack on Titan because it goes from zero to a hundred, and at least in that episode, it does not stop. Now, of course, throughout the season and seasons, uh, it gets down a little bit as it's building up everything. My favorite character, though. I mean, I guess the easy one would be like Levi. Everybody loves Levi. He's as cool as can be, cool as the other side of the pillow. Um, but but I I personally, when I watch anime and stuff, I really like the villains. A, a well-written villain is as good as a well-written protagonist, if you ask me. Um, and I'm trying to figure out which one in the series... Um, man, what is the guy's name? I don't want, oh, I don't want to spoil anything. It's yeah. one, one villain in it. Um, that I cannot give any other thing because it's a big reveal, a big twist in the series that I will not talk about, but that guy for me, obviously the, the like you said, it starts like one to like zero to a hundred instantly that, but I wasn't like really hooked until like the first season, like episode 16 or 17 with the reveal of the female Titan. Yeah. That's when I was like, all right, this is the craziest show I've maybe ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And now I've watched all of it, and you're not. You might not like this, but I, I enjoy the dubbed version. I know a lot of people are going to hate that the purists out there, mm-hmm. but especially like Attack on Titan and Demon Slayer, the the English voice acting is very good. I know there are a lot of anime where the voice English voice acting is not good, 
those shows, like it is, it is top tier. I know for the purists out there, they're not going to like that. But Kenny, I think we have just like a a few weeks. I'm sure that you've all probably read all the manga with Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. But in a few weeks, like they're releasing the the last you know uh, part of the anime, and then and then we're yeah. done. That I I have watched in Japanese because I cannot wait. Right. Yeah. No. And I'm not a purist. I I prefer sub. But there's a lot of shows where I've watched the dub version. I mean, we're adults now. We, in order to really get in on sub, you have to have no distractions. We have, we have families and kids and it's so much easier to put on the dub where I can half watch something versus the sub where I have to completely lock in. So I'll never shame anyone for enjoying the media the way they want to. At the end of the day, we're getting the same result. This has been great, guys. Um, the last 10 yeah. minutes, I still don't know what a manga is. And uh, I will say, Kenny, this happens every so often where Jonathan's like, Luke, I, I, I really want to talk to this person about this, about said topic, right? So tonight it was you with anime. With Dan Savage, who writes for the Orlando Magic, he and Dan, every time Dan is on, they talk about Boy Meets World. Like every single wow. time that Jonathan, that, that's one of his things. So he's got like anime, Boy Meets World, uh, Final Fantasy Dude, the dude has a lot that he. That I don't he like enjoys. a lot of things in life, but the things that I like, does, I, I love deeply. I fiercely I the same way. Is, that, is the word. That's for sure. so similar to Pierre. Pierre is exactly like that. We'll have someone on the show, and Pierre's like, uh, he's like Narwar in a sense that he'll do thirty <laughs> hours of research before an interview, and he'll find out that this player likes this specific thing, and he also likes that. So, uh, I, I, Isaiah Thomas is an example. Isaiah Thomas hops on the Zoom call for an interview. And we chatting while we were waiting for everything to get set up behind the cameras and stuff. And then Pierre would spark up his special interests before the cameras come on. And I think it's just better for the interview because now they're locked in on a deeper level than just an average NBA interview. Um, so mm-hmm. I that that's a, I think that's a good thing because I'm I'm like you, Jonathan. I don't like a ton of things, but like anime, basketball, obviously, um, and things like that. I can talk about all day. And I was just talking to my wife about that, like. If she was willing to listen, I would tell her the story of every single arc in one piece. Story of my life. But she's not willing to listen, so. Nope. You know. We had to come to an agreement, my wife and I, like, look, whatever show you want to watch, we'll sit down and watch it. But to the second, I am banking time that you are going to sit with me and watch anime. <laughs> and we've been watching a lot of this show called Silo. It's on Apple TV. It's great. If you haven't seen it, try it out. But I've, I've got like three hours of anime banked up right now, which is like a good like nine episodes. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But Luke, see, Kenny just said it's a good thing that I am the way that I am. Yeah, so, definitely. But Luke, yeah. uh, you, you can breathe. I wasn't going to tell we're, him we're, that. we're done. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, nobody else to this point is maybe even listening that doesn't like anime or doesn't partake in it really. I've, Kenny, I've watched like... 40 episodes of, and Jonathan's going to correct me probably when I say this, Naruto. I don't have a clue how to say it correctly because Jonathan corrects me every but time. But you have to listen to Kenny. You get to the Rock Lee and Gara fight. If you're not into I, it then, um, it's fine. I, but you, I got, you get to that. I got there. And I, listen, Oh wow! I did right. enjoy it. I did, listen, I did enjoy it. I believe, I can't remember if we were moving to Florida soon or something. Something threw me off to where I stopped watching. Like I, I just didn't have time. And then I got out of it. And I'm the type of person, like, I'm so ADHD. If I get out of something, I'm, it's going to take a lot for me to get back into it. Unless it's something I have loved for my entire life, like sports or whatever it might be. But yeah, no, I appreciated it. Like I said, I watched like 45 episodes of, of it. So 40 to 45. So I appreciate it. I have a shirt because a friend gave it to me because he 
he uh, he called me a weeb and and gave it to me and and as a joke. But it's one of my comfier shirts, so I wear it all the time. But Jonathan gets mad whenever I wear it because he's like, "Dude, you don't even actually you don't even like it." And I was like, "Hey, I liked what I saw for the bit, but yeah. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get back into it." Yeah, I, w- I want to give a shout out to the RDC guys because they made it uh, or helped make it as cool as can be to like be a fan of anime. I don't know if you guys ever been to DreamCon. Um, but if you ever get a chance to go to DreamCon, it's as cool as it seems where everybody there has a common interest and it's anime and it's vendors selling cool art and, and so on and so forth. So uh, they're actually the guys that kind of helped me unlock it because I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like something I was really uh, like uh, invested in too much. And then we met Mark and we went out to dinner with him and the rest of the guys. And I kid you not, the entire dinner, they're arguing two people and I don't, I don't even remember what show it was and it made me think maybe i should watch this just to just to see who's who's winning the argument right now and then that's when i lock back in so uh you, you know take some time luke take some time go back and rewatch. maybe on netflix if you're watching on des- desktop you can put it at like 1.5 speed if you really want to to catch back mm-hmm. up to where you were um especially because mm-hmm. the first arc of naruto with uh, zabuza that, that's a, that's a good arc zabuza is one of my favorite villains um so Give it, give it some time or shift gears and go to attack on Titan. Cause that's more as, as we hit adulthood, that's more our speed. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's one of those things. Yeah. Um, I would argue I, if you, if you can get into AOT anime, just might not be for you. Yeah. Like that, and that that's fair. I, not to make a plug here, but I have like a 27 long minute video that I uploaded to my personal YouTube that has six subscribers on it, where I just <laughs> talked about once I finished Naruto, I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. Yeah. So I yeah. sat in front of my camera like this and I talked about Naruto for like 27 minutes because yeah. it's just, it's a, it's a fantastic show, but Kenny, Dude, I'm, we're not going to hold you here any, any longer, man. We just can't say how much we appreciate you taking the time and, and jumping on the show and having good conversation and doing what you do for the basketball community, but also for smaller creators like us, man, we really, really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate it too. Um, Let's come back halfway through the season when you guys are like the four seed and, and let's celebrate um, at a playoff berth or something. Let's do it, Kenny. Thank you, man. <laughs> Thank you. Kenny Beecham, ladies and gentlemen, ball knower, manga and anime knower, just overall great human being. Really, really appreciate Kenny joining the show. A ton of fun. Luke, when you posted the like the screenshot from the episode on Twitter on Saturday, I was sort of like surprised by how much people were excited a- about this episode because like, he's not like really like a magic specific guest, but it just goes to show you like everybody knows like in, in our you know circle, like everybody knows who Kenny is and everybody loves Kenny. He, I'm, simply put, he has a million YouTube subscribers on just one channel and then he's got a few other channels that he has that have anywhere from like 300k to 500k he's got the the podcast through the wire they have a huge following people just like kenny and they they like everyone there on through the wire they're like i said earlier they're a really fun group i i mean and it helps as far as the engagement to kenny being the incredible dude that he is retweets it maybe an hour after we put it out there like just super generous of him sharing it with his followers too. I'm hoping that everyone, whether you found us from Kenny's channel and from his Twitter, his Instagram, whatever it might be, that you guys enjoyed the interview. 
Magic fans, we know you guys did because anytime we get to hear somebody else talk about the Magic, we we love to make that happen. And as someone as well-respected as Kenny, I had a lot of fun doing it. I know you did too, especially getting to talk about anime for what felt like an hour at the end. Uh, but no, man, I again, shout out to Kenny. He's uh, he's incredible. I shared the the screenshot to my my Facebook. You know, that's a throwback of a statement. It feels like, you know, might as well mention going to Blockbuster and, and renting a VHS when you say <laughs> Facebook. But I shared it to Facebook and I had people from high school that I haven't talked to in like, you know, 10 years. Like, is that Kenny? I'm like, look at your boy now. That is Kenny. <laughs> that is Kenny. So, well, no, but just seriously, just really uh, appreciative for the opportunity and appreciative for the the conversation and and just the the all the relationships like if you've talked to us on social media or you've met us at an event or you've been on the show like just know how much we really genuinely appreciate like the privilege of doing this and just like the privilege of of knowing all of you this is just like the coolest freaking thing ever obviously so yeah yeah if you're at if you've listened all the way through this part of the podcast you're definitely a little weeb and that's awesome that you love anime because if you if you sat through all of that like you're either at least curious about anime or you really like it because if you didn't you just shut it off like at at that point so appreciate everybody that's uh listened all the way through here and again give us a give us a little uh review on apple on you know itunes well i guess not itunes anymore good grief blockbuster itunes ipod nano whatever you're listening to this on um go ahead throw us a review on apple podcast and on spotify really really helps out a lot um yeah we're gonna have another episode this thursday which will be the 28th we will not have an episode next monday the second uh we'll release our media day episode on tuesday the third so be on the lookout for that but luke i am fresh out of things to say let's say we wrap this up yeah all right let's do it a big thank you again to our boy kenny like just really really appreciate the opportunity and great talking to you For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You all have been listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Red!